Welcome to Cosmic Tales, Episode 6, featuring Strange Tales 180 and 181. I'm Jesse Butler. I'm Jeff Davis. And I'm Kit Paris. So let's start off with you, Kit, and give us your intro to Adam Warlock, since we're joining his story already in progress, so I guess we should know a little bit about where he was before this point. Well, Adam starts out, where to begin? Should begin at the beginning, I suppose. Adam Warlock was created as the perfect being by these neo-Nazis. And I believe they called themselves the Beehive or something along those lines. And they wanted to create the perfect being. And so they created him, which was his name, with a capital H for a very long time. And then he ran into some folks and they gave him the name Warlock, which was very, very cool at the time. Very chic. I just skipped a bunch of stuff, but nobody really cares about what happened in between. And... (laughs) Reasonable. Well, I was going to say, so, you know, I've got, like I said, Jim Starlin's run, which starts on 178, I think. <laughs> yes. And it's got like a two-page, three-page recap of all of the four pages of, of the history <laughs> of Adam Warlock up to that point. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. It, it is pretty cool. And it so according to the editor's note here, he started in Fantastic Four, number 66 to 67. Then he was in Thor, 165 and 166. Then he got some sort of story in a Marvel premiere, 1 to 2. And then he got his Warlock 1 through 8, and then some tail and Hulk 176 to 178. <laughs> so he was known as him for a really long time, right up until he met the High Evolutionary. Do you know, anybody know who? I do. Cool. You want to tell us about that? Because I don't feel like it. <laughs> no, I don't know that much about the High Evolutionary. I just know of the High Evolutionary. He's, you know, the high evolutionary. Go figure it out. He's a Thor thing. And <laughs> oh, is he a Thor thing? Because I've only seen him so far in context of Adam Warlock. So like, runs well, in- yeah, but he's one of those types that's the, you know, it's the Asgardian technology is so advanced it's indistinguishable from magic kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. So that's that's how he got wormed into Thor. Was he was he was again one of these alien species that had super advanced technology that could do all this super amazing stuff, and it all seemed to be magic, but in actuality, it was just the ability to do wacky kind of stuff. Jeff knows more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the character. I have not. I I avoid him. <laughs> well, you get into all the Eternals and all that kind of stuff because the one thing I do have going for me is that I was an avid collector of the um, Marvel Universe comics Ooh. that actually compiled everyone. So I've gone over a number of those times. So I know a lot of the little weird side characters and things like that. And of course, the High Evolutionary was that sort of thing. He gave him a name, which kind of gave him humanity. Really, uh, he named him Warlock which started the eight-issue Warlock run of 1973, I believe. Is that right? Sure. I think so. Cool. We'll say it is. Um, I think Warlock started in 72, but mine is good. So, yeah, High Evolutionary gave him the name Warlock in the 70s, either 72 or 73. I don't remember which. (laughs) And he had a eight-issue run as the Warlock before he landed on Earth, and the humans gave him the name Adam which he adopted as a first name and then also kept Warlock. And you could go into the idea of why he was named Adam if you really wanted to, but it's, you know. Well, like I said, I think because he's supposed to be the first, you know, the pure human specimen who's very orange. It makes but... me think of, in New Trek, how Khan is this pure, perfect being, you know, aside from being a homicidal maniac. And uh... <laughs> No, that, that actually pretty much works. 
yeah. especially where the major storyline is going. Yeah, uh. yeah. Magus and Goddess split is actually kind of cool, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. So he becomes Adam Warlock at that point. He gets the Soul Gem, which is the green one for those keeping track and not paying attention to the MCU. And <laughs> so my question is. Did the Infinity Gems have a concept, or did you just have a soul gem and they put it as part of the Infinity Gems later when they do that story arc? <laughs> as far as I know, the Infinity Gems were a concept at that point. Okay. But they weren't called the Infinity Gems. They were the Cosmic Jewels or something like that. I really should do my research. Yeah, see, most of my introduction to this was in the 90s. So Yeah, so <laughs> Infinity War, they've already, like, that's 20 years from now, so it's got a lot of stuff they've already established but yeah i was curious i was fascinated to see how much of that had already been formed already in the early 70s you know that he's got a soul gem and you know the we will get to the story with him and where thanos first collects the gems yes <laughs> um <laughs> so as far as i know and i'm probably wrong the soul gem was called the soul jewel and there was also the space jewel and the power jewel at that time but I'm not certain. I could be wrong. I'll be corrected eventually. I do know that Warlock has the Soul Jewel. Yes, he definitely has it by the time the Strange Tales relaunch starts. And I believe that Power of Warlock was the first time that the Soul Gem, or Jewel, as it was known in the 70s, makes a debut. But I'm not, I'm not positive about that either. I really should do my research. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. I'll, I'll eventually know what I'm talking about. After that, yes, so Warlock gets the Soul Jewel, and then he ends up on Earth. He's given the name Adam because he's the perfect man, and um, I do not disagree with that either. And um, <laughs> he then leaves Counter-Earth to travel through the cosmos again because he's super into cosmic... I am Groot. Um, <clears throat> cosmic stuff. <laughs> I'll go ahead and give a little recap. So yeah, so the beginning of the, the Jim Starlin run, he had just kind of wandered off into space. To be alone and be kind of a solitary mystic. Do um, warlock things. Do warlock things. So he's on an uninhabited planet, and the story, the two episodes or issues before are were joined by Gamora. Basically, some random woman in a spacesuit comes and is being chased by monsters and finds Warlock and is like, You're a warlock. I've crossed a dozen galaxies to find you, a thousand worlds, a billion people seek your aid, help us. And then there's these monsters that are like been chasing her. They fight, they fight a bunch, they fight some more. There's some recapping. She tells Adam Warlock about the Universal Church of Truth and that it's a tyranny and stuff. And so anyway, they fight the guys some more and she is killed. And the Magus sort of appears as a floating head to gloat. And so that convinces him that he needs to go find the Magus and defeat him. And that's the first issue. The yeah. next issue is kind of a little side quest and that he like gets captured by a ship that's part of the Universal Church has a bunch of slaves there. He leads a slave rebellion, and they escape. But that is where he meets up with Pip the Troll, who joins him on his quest to go overthrow the Universal Church and Magus. And so that is where our first official issue we're going to talk about begins, which is 180, as Adam Warlock and Pip the Troll land on Homeworld, the birthplace of the Church of Truth. Perfect. And then I wrote a little summary that is the these two issues. That is a summary of the story from Gamora's point of view, which is very brief. So, uh, on Homeworld, birthplace of the Universal Church of Truth, Gamora locates Pip, 
a known associate of Adam Warlock, in a tavern. She's looking for Warlock. If he can defeat the mages, she will join him. Otherwise, she plans to kill him. Gamora and Pip ambush a Black Knight to find out where Adam Warlock is being held. He's in the basement of the Holy Palace. Despite being the most guarded place on the planet, Gamora and Pip sneak and fight their way to where Warlock is being held. Warlock frees himself from his mental prison to find the physical guards already defeated by Gamora. They then come face-to-face with Magus in his throne room. And that is with those two issues. Leave off. So, what do you guys want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about the fact that I thought the monster on the cover of Strange Tales 180 was actually a personification of the Soul Gem because it looks remarkably like it, only to find out later that I was completely and utterly wrong. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of greenish, although I will say that uh, it lives in the Soul Gem from now on, and so he makes a surprising amount of appearances in the future as they, like, talk to things in the Soul Gem. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the second most uh, commonly used Adam Warlock power, aside from the shooting people in the head and sucking their souls out is, oh, I'm going to fade into the soul gem world and talk to strange people whom I have previously sucked the souls of out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is pretty much what you see in the 70s Marvel space worlds. Lots of aliens, lots of crazy aliens, lots and lots of colors, and most of the aliens are aggressive. Aggressive is a good way to put it. (laughs) I mean, your first, well, it's a comic book, so you've got to have some level of conflict. But, you know, the first couple of panels here, people are kicking each other's. I am Groot. And stuff. We also do start to see where Warlock is having trouble controlling the Soul Gem, that it's a monster that he can just barely keep under wraps. Yeah, which is, I think, you know, a story thread that Jim Starlin is adding to this mix or is, is introducing in this story arc. Because a lot of it is the, oh, I didn't actually mean to suck his soul away, but I accidentally did it. Whoopsie! The vampiric soul gem. Aside from that, it's, I don't suppose it's really cliche or anything like that. Because, I mean, at this point, it never existed beforehand. But, you know, you've got a lot of what is considered to be your sort of comic tropes with decides he needs to destroy the soul gem, tries to destroy the soul gem. Oh no, I can't possibly control, or I can't possibly destroy the soul gem. It has my soul! Which, I mean, it's In not... In other words. <laughs> it's, it's not bad writing, but it is a little ham-fisted. You know, this thing is terrible and awful. I must destroy it. Wait, I can't destroy it. It already controls me, but I must control it! They do a lot of that kind of stuff with people who wield phenomenal levels of cosmic power. We'll see that a lot. Also, of course, incredibly attractive woman in furs is head of the church. Yeah, so the Universal Church at this point, we realize, is got the head, which is, what is her name? Matriarch. The matriarch, yes. So, so yes, it is head by the matriarch, but it follows Magus, who they have set up as a god. And as the story unfolds, we find out that Magus is actually... Actually, did we find that in this episode? No, we find uh, that when anyone... Okay. Uh, Spoilers! Well, <laughs> um, we do also see Adam Warlock doing the tormented hero thing of, I have to do this all alone, as he fades away from Pip, who has been assisting him through this whole thing, and then he suddenly decides, nope, I'm going to do it myself. Well, so when I first read this, I just, you know, skipped to the Gamorap issue, so that, you know, has Pip and Adam arrive on the planet, and then Adam ditches Pip and goes off on his own. So I assumed that Pip and Warlock had been traveling for some time, but then I went back and read the two issues before this, and Pip is only introduced in the previous issue. So it's mm-hmm. not like they're... Also, they haven't been together that long. Right, but like if you come in on 180, it seems like, oh yeah, they're old friends. So actually, I'm wrong. They do reveal it in this particular issue. The matriarch is, of course, taunting him with, I'm giving you all the answers you want, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, well, they strongly hinted at it in the 
178, I believe it was. Like, if you know it and you're reading it, you're like, wait, isn't he just basically tell him right there? But it. But apparently they have to, like, bash it in through his head. Yeah. And with the big reveal that Adam Warlock grows up to become the, ma- the Magus, of course, she reveals that she was just tempting him over here so she could trap him because if he doesn't become the magus, she doesn't get super ultra-powerful Church of Truth, and that just doesn't work for her. So, right. But then she puts him on trial with the potential of dying, so I don't really get that. Because they're talking about murder, and usually in these kind of cases, the climax is that murder is going to be punished with death? It's a little weird because, I mean, they, she sets up this mock trial thing. Yeah, she um, says she's going to imprison him, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so he, she kind of wants to control him, but it is kind of uncertain how her plan is supposed to work out since, you know, he shows up, somehow becomes Magus, goes back into the past, and then comes forward. So it's like, whatever you do to him now, if he's still around, he'll still become Magus and doesn't really affect things. I don't know. She's not a very good planner, I think. Well, the whole thing is is a little bit of a, a little bit of an LSD trip. What with the <laughs> yeah, so judge with the multifaceted eyes, the eye and the mouth that are his mm-hmm. prosecution and defense attorneys. Yeah, so the prosecution is just a mouth, and the defense is just an eye. So the defense can't actually defend anything. And then the jury of peers is a bunch of faceless humanoid statue things. Right. So yeah. So the whole mock trial goes on under the pretext that she has to keep some sort of public image going. And so she's trying to make Warlock look like a horrible person somehow. And Warlock's attorney falls asleep at the end of the trial. So that's not terribly helpful. But then we get to the tavern. Yeah, so basically, you know, we're here to see Gamora. She just is introduced as a green lady with a knife. <laughs> I mean, really, is she anything else? No, no, that's that's pretty much who she is. In fact, yeah, I think this issue we have one whole page with Gamora in it. Yep, that's it. (laughs) So we don't even actually, I think, get her name until next issue, maybe. No, but we do get the brief interaction with Pip where she's very cagey with things and just saying that she wants to find Warlock and finishes it off with the, if he can kill the Magus, I'll join him. If he doesn't, I plan to kill him. Because, of course, you need a cliffhanger whenever you introduce a new character. The trial ends when Warlock just sort of beats everyone up and then sucks the judge into his soul gym, and that's why we'll have the judge forever and ever. Well, and again, getting back to the whole going to imprison him thing, he proceeds to decimate the entire court and shatter many of the jury of his peers and make ample use of Kirby Dots. And then the judge, after Adam Warlock confronts him... Or are they now Jim Starlin Dots? Well, perhaps (laughs) Jim Starlin Dots now, but you know, confronts the judge, I will play this game no longer, and the judge says, we were going to rehabilitate you, but now you're going to die. But she just said, if he dies, he doesn't kill mages. Yeah, like I said, it's a poorly thought out plan. Yeah, so it ends with him getting thrown into a pit, and then the next issue starts with a cover of him clutching his head in a clown and some sort of ape shadowy beast. (laughs) Well, don't forget, he just sucked the soul out of the judge, and this is a tormentful, terrible, awful thing that causes him to collapse into unconsciousness. Yes. How this is a terrible, awful thing. Maybe he realized the judge was into some really weird... I am Groot. Well, sucking out souls is not the best uh, 
Well, but he just says thing a good person does. <laughs> Memories, images, thoughts like none I've ever tasted. Delicious. <laughs> ah, yes. Gross. <laughs> anyway. So this clown guy's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's uh, not exactly what I'd call uh, one of the pleasant clowns. He's um, definitely meant to be menacing. Yeah, so if we're talking about LSD Trippy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This issue blows the last one away. <laughs> yes. I mean, this we're getting to like some Doctor Strange alternate dimension kind of stuff going on here. Also, another full page of recap. Apparently, they wanted to keep everybody apprised of all of the stories. Yeah, well, so assuming they would just buy that one issue. (laughs) Well, buying single issues was a lot more common back then, you know, because like the '60s stories usually were one, maybe two parters. You know, the ones that were more than four or six were kind of an exception. And so, yeah, they did try and kind of do a recap. So I think when we get to the like, you know, fifth issue of this arc, there will be a like two-page recap of everything that went on up to it. So yeah, now Adam Morlock is sucked into a wacky, crazy dimension full of very non-linear things, including a series of clowns. And spoiler alert, he becomes a clown. He does. But then who doesn't want to be a clown? Uh, apparently Adam Morlock. Well, he is a very serious and somber individual. So. And then there's these Mantis people. Oh yes, the wannabe Andorians. Yeah. I, I don't quite get those, but... They're apparently security or at least, I don't know, wardens of this mind prison. So, yeah, we slowly learn that he's basically in sort of of VR that appears to be not quite VR, but a mental prison scape. And then we get to Gamora. Yes. So Uh, we're just skipping ahead to Gamora. Sorry. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, there's not a lot that's going on, except they're clearly, obviously trying to torment Adam clowning stuff. He goes mad. Pretty much. As you want to do when you're half god, half goddess. And being assaulted by clowns. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's be fair. And it sounds like a bachelor party in Vegas, but... Except for the god-goddess part. Have you been to Vegas? That's, that's pretty true. So... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, so we see Gamora again. They grab a black knight and, you know, get him to talk. So Gamora and Pip. Gamora with knife, Pip with a gun. Useless gun. Yeah. It, no, it's true. <laughs> and, yeah, Pip appears to be comic relief in this particular occasion, but it also does hint that, yes, and she goes into it when she actually gives her name. It does hint that she has a backstory that is broadly enough known that most people are scared completely out of their wits around her. Which is kind of interesting, because once you hear her backstory, it's like, wait, so she mostly just trained in secret to be badass. So, how did she get the reputation she has? She's a secret weapon of the Mad Titan. She is. But we find that out later. She's also the deadliest woman in the whole galaxy. That one she lets us know right off the bat. Because, I mean, if you're going to introduce yourself, particularly in the 70s comic, you've got to have a catchphrase like that. Personally, whenever I'm meeting somebody at a party, I say, my name is Kit Paris, and I'm the deadliest woman in the galaxy. And how can that not immediately pull their attention straight to you? Exactly. People <laughs> run and scream for me a lot. <laughs> well, you know, if you didn't pull out the knives so often in order to uh, emphasize your deadliest woman in the galaxy aspect, they might be less likely to run away. And I think painting my skin green was a mistake. Well, it's not easy being green. (laughs) So after Gamora assaults said Black Knight with Pip's rather inept help, we pop back into Alienscape, or Clownscape, rather, where uh, Adam Warlock is still trying to deal with stuff, and they go into why they're trying to do this stuff and how they're trying to do this stuff, while the matriarch explains that she knows how this works, and I'll just tell you how to fix it, because, of course, she's the... The face of the universal life or universal truth church, 
so she knows everything and how it should go. And then we flash back to Gamora. Lots of sassy women who know more than you do in this issue. And in this issue, lots and lots of her wearing a fur coat just over one shoulder and staring rather seductively over said shoulder back at people. She's she's very good at that. Mm-hmm. I so, wonder why she needs a fur coat, but anyway. Well, it's space out there. It's got to be cold. You have to have something to drape off the shoulder so you can look over it. Exactly. Well, I don't I, have a webcam, but I'm mimicking the... Right. <laughs> and the robe does make her look more regal and not just any woman off the street like, you know... Right. Like Gamora. Like Gamora. <laughs> Although she seems to actually have kind of a... Like, at first I just thought that was her hair, but no, she's got like a black bird cape as well. Yeah, it's she's wearing like Yellow skulls. <laughs> a leisure suit? A green crocodile skin leisure suit of some type? With a fur half cape? Yeah, yeah. and again, this goes into the female costumes in a lot of the 70s uh, comic books. It's split from neck to navel, actually below navel, and yet it stays on her. So mm. I assume cosmic duct tape or something along those lines. It's one of her superpowers. I get it. Oh. The field that holds her clothes on, powered by the comics code. Yes. I wonder if she's the deadliest woman in the universe. <laughs> Galaxy. So, Galaxy. Speaking of the comics code, apparently Jim Starlin wanted to, you know, play with them a bit to see if they noticed. So he tried to get in uh, the cover of Strange Tales 178. The little box had approved by the Cosmic Code Authority. And uh, in one of the, like, recap panels, they cut out the indoctrination. They had some guy, like, being dipped in boiling oil, and that had to get edited out in the final release. It was not, uh, did not make the comic code. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, all those young impressionable children who can stare at Gamora's navel, but can't possibly witness somebody being dipped in oil. Mm -hmm. But And I mean, Pip's running around in nothing but a loincloth, so... But he's a troll. Mm, I suppose so. He's still built like he's an underwear model, but mm. that's consistent. So this page where they, Pip and Gamora, um, go on the the attack, I guess, and they assault the Guardians or whomever these white people are, the facial expressions are kind of amazing. What, where she's doing the punching with the back of her hand while her head is off to the side and her chest is thrust out? Exactly. <laughs> and it looks like her lips are somehow pasted on. And unable to be moved. It's a little weird. It's brilliant. <laughs> and then it gets even better. She does a full yoga bridge while punching somebody. She and calling them melodramatic. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. She she nearly bends her uh, her entire body back on itself. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she's the most dangerous woman in the galaxy. Apparently she's Gumby. Well, she is green. <laughs> explains the green. There you go. Then, of course, since we're doing the whole two things going on at once, flashback to the uh, Adam Warlock who, in a very Lovecraftian notion, attacks the realm of madness and uh, is hereby assaulted by the madness monster who does not have a soul, and so he cannot simply suck it out, which previously, giant moral issue. Now, I am Groot. I'm going to be beaten up. Quick, I'm going to suck out his soul. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's part of the point is to condition him to be more cavalier about soul draining. <laughs> Plus, but. the madness monster looks like a total creeper. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's I don't quite know why, but I mean, it's 
Because I would think if you're going to be the madness monster and he implicitly states the fact that he's the twisted evil that infests your inner self, why would it not be like a shadow version of himself? Instead, it's a giant purple guy with spikes coming out of his shoulders, really hairy forearms, and a loincloth. They seem to really like the loincloths. Those are spikes. I thought it was hair. Yeah, I thought that it was It might just be hair. hair. It's really um, thick hair. But the loincloths are because that comics code can't show much junk. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, I'm not expecting them to show junk or anything. It's I know. A madness monster. It's it's not exactly like, hey, break me off a piece of that. But they could have done a Silver Surfer thing and just, you know. Yeah, why not Kendall? Or they, or they could have just done, like I said, a shadow version of Warlock and wearing the same outfit. Yeah. But then, of course, he realizes I that mean, kind of things saving are... the evil version of him for Magus, which we see on the final splash page. But uh, here, here he has one of the, what I consider to be one of the Doctor Strangian type uh, understandings, where he suddenly realizes, all of this is just an aspect of myself, and I can completely overcome it. And then the helmet that he's wearing breaks. So clearly, not well-built technology. <laughs> Whoever made Pip's gun probably already ma- also manufactured their helmet. So. And there we see Gamora occupying the sassy woman for this particular page. And for some reason, a fairy thing floating in the middle of the room that has... It's kind of like half caterpillar, half butterfly. Pizza moth? It does kind of look like a pizza moth. I'm hungry. Okay. Well, we'll get on to the other pages, because if we go too much deeper into this, we'll get into the required hostess ad, and that'll just make you even hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Because they loved their hostess ads in these comic books. Mm -hmm. They probably got paid for them a bunch. (laughs) Well, yes. And then, of course, we have... Warlock talking endlessly about how he is now completely insane, yet he is still fully articulate, and the people who are with him are just standing there passively listening to him. If there's one thing that Warlock does really, really well, it's monologue about his own insanity. <laughs> this is yet another one of his sub-superpowers. It's seriously, it, it's, it should be listed somewhere on the wiki as one of his powers. He does it often <laughs> enough. That. And then we have the reveal. Then we have the ultimate reveal where it's the Magus. And I do not understand why the Magus has an afro. Thank you. Why is he purple? Well, purple I can see as just being distinct from Warlock. Because otherwise he's sort of shadowy. But he's mm. wearing pretty much the exact same outfit that we've seen in Warlock back in 178. It's the mm. unitard with the lightning bolt thing, which I don't know if that's like a vague reference to Shazam or not. But, you know, he's got the same basic accoutrements, he's got the bracers, he's got the belt, he's got the boots, yet for some reason, Afro. I mean, he's got a gem forehead. in the middle of his forehead. Because he's, he's got, you know, that red shirt, yellow lightning bolt as his outfit in 178. When does he change clothes randomly? That's a good... Because like, he uh, no longer has that. Cape and the, the full, or the side-cut unitard and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Apparently they hit a Macy's on the way, and... Yeah, okay, so at the end of the issue where he meets Pip, and they rescue the slaves, and they go off on their own, he's wearing the old outfit, and at the beginning of 180, when they landed on Homeworld, he's got his new cape. So they I had guess, to yes. stop at the dry cleaners, maybe? Yeah, they they, so. they or, stopped at the dry cleaners on the way to Homeworld. Or maybe he's trying to go incognito, you know? Oh, yeah. He loses the lightning bolt, so people can't recognize the fact that he's Adam Warlock. Yeah, this giant golden guy yeah, without his lightning bolt. It's like it's Superman's glasses. You have no idea who he is. Exactly. So yeah, this guy's got a skull on his cape lapel instead of, you know. Uh. <laughs> I can't get over the afro either. It's yeah. odd. It's it's just a thing. It, boom. Maybe 
maybe it's subtle racism. Probably. Yeah. I wonder. It's not that subtle. Well, I mean, in <laughs> retrospect, it's not that subtle. Yeah. But for them, it's probably subtle. It's possible. It was the 70s. It was the 70s. Although, you know, it was starting to get into the civil rights movement, so... Was not the 60s? This is the 70s? Uh, I mean, well, the civil rights movement was started about 65, so you had it spilling over into the 70s. But Yeah. But yeah, it is definitely an odd choice that everything is the same inverted colors, except his hair. Yeah. Like, and in the most other images we've seen, it just like him as a floating green head, but with mm-hmm. the afro with, hair as with well. With the afro hair, yes. That's the yeah. thing. Scary or green? I mean, it does make it so when they're doing the head-to-head thing, you can tell which one's which. But, mm. well, yeah. but yeah, this is also where we have dramatic reveals, and he breaks all the laws of time, which have been broken hundreds of times in the Marvel Universe, you know, where he's meeting his past self and telling him everything he needs to know to become his past self, which one would think would cause a paradox where he would not become him, but then he would not be around to tell his past self, and it just gets strange from there. Yeah, well, I was going to say, when we get into the next three issues of Warlock, it's definitely like, yeah, no, I remember, this is how I became me. I'm just going to repeat what you said. So it's got some cool moments there. <laughs> Is it possible that Magus just doesn't have the access to conditioner that Adam Warlock does? Or maybe all that evil just frizzes out the hair. It's, you know? I mean, I can't assume that evil is good for those, you know, long flowing golden locks that Warlock's rocking there. Maybe it's humid in the future. Very humid. Well, so Jeff and I talked in, I think, episode one or two, whichever that ends up being, <laughs> about how there's only really, like, two types of hair in comics. There's Superman hair and there's girl hair. So mm. they've added a third hair here, which is Afro hair, which is the least, <laughs> I guess, easy to draw. <laughs> which could also be the other reason for it, is that it's easy to draw. I'm sure comics loved the 80s when the Mohawk showed up, because, you know, yet another yet distinct another hairstyle. Distinct hairstyle, yeah. Well, and you also had the flock of seagulls haircut, because I, <laughs> I think Dazzler rocked that for a long time. Oh, Yeah. Uh, it is unfortunate we don't get nearly enough Dazzler-Guardians crossover for us to cover all out of Dazzler. <laughs> Although, if we want to do a bonus episode on what if Dazzler was the Herald of Galactus, I think that totally fits. I, I think I we should. That. There's plenty I, of those wacky things in comic history that have just vague crossovers here and there. I would gladly actually read the issues if we did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the what-if issues are always fun to read. I mean, there was the... What if Aunt May was a Herald of Galactus? <laughs> yeah, Uncle Ben is still of, dead? Yes. There, there have been a lot of strange Heralds of Galactus. It seems to be their common go-to for what-ifs. We will see a bunch of the official Heralds whenever we get to the Infinity War, since I think they call most of them in. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's on par with your Crisis on Infinite Earths or, uh, oh god, what was the Marvel equivalents? The Infinity War. <laughs> no, Secret Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Secret Wars was more of the similar kind of thing going on there, where pretty much everybody and their twin brother, including some way, way, way B and C level heroes, get yanked out of general continuity and tossed into this giant pile. It had a lot of people in it. Yeah. <laughs> and once we get to the Infinity War, I actually still have all my issues of that, so I'm oh, totally nice. with that. So I don't have much of that, but I'm tempted there is a Infinity War omnibus over at my local comic store, and I've been eyeing it for the last month and a half now. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons I do still have most of my Infinity War comics, because they beat that drum hard when it came to graphic novels and omnibuses, and so they're all completely worthless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of omnibuses, there is a Guardians of the Galaxy solo classics 
Omnibus, which covers a lot of these early appearances of Gamora and Rocket and Groot. And I'm not sure exactly what all it'll carry, but it comes out in like November or December. And I'm tempted by that as well. That's exciting. Also on the last page, I just noticed that Gamora has spiked knuckles on her gloves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yet she uses a knife. Well, she put well, the gloves on to fight Magus. Oh, I see. So yeah. she can punch him in the Wardrobe change. Much like Adam Warlock did at the start of the series. Exactly. Got to keep it fresh. Got it. Well, you got to distinguish yourself from who you were. You got to have a new costume, new attitude, and a new frontal. Do you ask a question? Can you see those spikes? No, yeah, she's got the spikes earlier. Oh, she did? I just hadn't noticed them. Yeah, well, so in that last issue, or that last panel, they're colored gray, so they're noticeable. But like in that one where she's peening up the white-headed antenna aliens, Mm -hmm. you can kind of see them if you're looking for them, but they're all green with the rest of her, so they sort of blend in with her. And I also just noticed, apparently they're retractable, because she, in the first panel of that page before the combat, she has her fist up and she's tapping it with a finger. Oh, okay. So either she's putting them on or she's popping them out, yeah. And they are a slightly different shade of green, so I suppose she may not have been wearing them before. Now the question is, are they animantium? That was it. Because in the panel where she's breaking into the Church of Truth headquarters with Pip, her hands are completely uncovered. So she Mm -hmm. must have been putting them on before she went into combat. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's her combat gloves. So she's got a knife and fisticuffs. Deadliest woman in the galaxy. You gotta be ready for anything. Gotta be ready to punch a guy in the face or stab him. Maybe she'll bite off an ear. Ooh. So I guess that will be it for those two issues. Any final thoughts, particular panels you want to show up? You know, I, I don't think that Warlock descending into madness is too surprising. If you read the very few books that he was in before this, I think it was kind of a cool device that they used that actually goes with his character a little bit. I'm surprised. That he keeps going mad? Yeah, he was already hovering. No, hovering's the wrong word. He was already teetering on the edge. And he has a few instances, like he kidnaps Lady Sif at some point. He he has these moments where you see these sparks of insanity in him. And then I think the clowns and the universal church, life church thing, it's very late in the day for me, <laughs> kind of topples him over the edge. I suppose it's to have that thread where he could always wind up being the mages at any given moment kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's a very complex character. That's probably why he talks so much. Oh, he does monologue a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's comics. It happens. He just has a lot to say. He does. It's very important weighty things that he has to talk about. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that, that pretty much does it for me. Yeah. It's uh, It's still an entertaining story to read. And from this, I've actually read subsequent Strange Tales, previous and afterwards, too. Mostly yeah, Strange Tales involved Doctor Strange, who's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, it's interesting that Strange Tales was, you know, name of Strange Tales long before Doctor Strange was even put into it. <laughs> in fact, I think he got his start in it somewhere in, like, 130-something. I uh, did not know that. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah Earlier, that's I think. the whole origin story thing where he goes to Tibet, finds the Ancient One, and all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Did you guys cover that? Oh, well, no, because no, it's Doctor Strange. He's, yeah. I it's don't Dr. Strange. think he's been a guardian of the galaxy. <laughs> he's been a defender. Uh, I mean, he helps out in the Infinity War. Well, yeah, well, but, you know, yeah. everybody, but everyone does. <laughs> well, then we should be covering Iron Man, too. <laughs> well, we, uh, did, we did do a little. Because oh. Drax the Destroyer ran into Iron Man way back when. That was his And intro. then again later. But yeah, no, there's a, another podcast that I was listening to called The Fantastic Cast, which covers all really Fantastic Four stuff. And they covered, there was a while that Strange Tales was half Human Torch, half 
Doctor Strange, and they kept lamenting that like the Human Torch story was terrible, and the they wish they were reading just the Doctor Strange part. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doctor Strange was one of those characters that you could always have fun with, because like Adam Warlock and a lot of these other people, he'd go to weird places, he'd experience weird things. You could really expand out, whereas your classic superheroes, your Spider-Man and that kind of stuff, pretty much had to be somewhat grounded, because hmm. that was more where they were. That's why I think, particularly in the 70s, you see a lot of these cosmic power characters. You see more emphasis on Captain Marvel, you see Adam Warlock, because they can go to these weird, strange worlds and have these strange things happening to them that are just absolutely wacky. Whereas, you know, previously, back in the 40s and the 50s, it was pretty much, you know, Superman beating up thugs on the street or Batman solving mysteries and stuff. It was all very grounded. But things get out of control very quickly in the cosmic world. Yes, and often. Quickly and frequently. And they have to keep developing new cosmic entities to explain why things can happen to old cosmic entities. And they have to keep coming up with new ways of destroying things so that they can bring it back later. Also very important. Yes. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's the cliffhanger principle. You know, mm. you destroy the thing, and then it makes the sudden resurrection come back, and you're like, oh, God. There was a lot of power creep around this time, particularly ramping up to the Infinity War, where people just kept getting subsequently more and more powerful or involved more and more with, you know, giant, enormous things out in the universe. I mean, you had Quasar running around with a whole bunch of wacky stuff going on, like the Star Brand. That was another one that came out of the late 70s, early 80s, where effectively you had the power infinite in a tattoo. So when does Quasar get introduced? introduced i'd be surprised if he wasn't already in because like i said he's not officially but he really is the uh the marvel green lantern including the whole the things that he uses his uh, quantum bands or something quantum bands yeah. yeah his quantum bands get passed between various people over and over and over again uh so actually no we haven't gotten to him yet his first appearance appears to be 1978 yeah so he's just on the cusp here about four years out but yeah, I mean, and also in the 70s is when they started introducing a whole crap ton of new people, too. Yeah, so his later re girl replacement, uh, Phi Lavelle Quasar, is in the later Guardians. Mm -hmm. So I'm she was the, uh, was the Wendell Vaughn one in the early Guardians, or? He's the one I'm uh, most familiar with. I'm pretty sure he's dead by the time Guardians form. Okay. Because Guardians didn't form till 2008. Oh, I'm, but previous incarnations? Because, I mean, the Guardians have been around for quite a while. Well, there was a group called the Guardians that was in the future, and they were just kind of set in some alternate future 60s, 70s Guardians of the Galaxy. And then the name was unused for a very long time, and then they reformed the team following the Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest story arcs. So we'll, we'll get to that eventually. So I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Next episode, we will cover Adam Warlock, 9 through 11. Awesome. Super we'll pumped. Off. Can I just list off all of his abilities in just, like, one breath? Sure. In the next episode, just go through all, like, 5,610 of them? Yeah, they they do like, do like doing Feel it. free to prepare stuff like that. That'd be awesome. I'm fabulous. I will. I'm very excited. I'm assuming that I'm coming back for that one. I don't know if it's true or not. It is true. Join me and Kit next episode, where Adam Warlock, Gamora, and her secret master face off with the Magus. If you'd like to leave feedback, you can email guardians at cosmictales.com or find us on Twitter at Cosmic Tales. Thanks for listening.